0: It's Tuesday, December 13th. Welcome to Mark Foolery. I'm Chris Hale joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker and Bill Mann. Happy Tuesday.
1: How are you? I'm well.
0: I'm well. You and I got the plaid memo. We did. And Bill Barker did not. I didn't get the old man glasses memo. You did? Well, you know what? We're a little older than you are. (laughs) (laughs) In a couple of years, you're going to get the Old Man Glasses memo.
1: I'm just vain and blind. (laughs) That's all there is to it.
0: Uh, I've talked before about the News Fairy, how sometimes the News Fairy shows up in the middle of the night. The News Fairy came strong. Yes! and, and, And in this case, the News Fairy showed up the moment I left the studio yesterday, because Taylor Muckerman and I finished taping yesterday's Market Foolery. I walked out of the studio and 30 seconds later ran into Ron Gross and Andy Cross, who said, Hey, did you hear the news about Chipotle? And I said, um, You said, No. And they're like, More yeah. Novovirus? And I yeah. said, No. Monty Moran, the longtime co CEO, has resigned. He is also leaving the board of directors. This will all take place officially in 2017. Steve Ells, the founder of Chipotle, now has. The reins of the company; he is a solo CEO once again. Well, what do you think? What, I, what did you think when you first heard the news? I, I thought,
1: thank God! Right? Like, I, I I happen to think that Chipotle is a very good company, and I happen to think that Steve Ells is a really is is a visionary. Their corporate governance and the amount that they pay themselves is absolutely horrible. It's it it is horrendous to me. How Chipotle treats its shareholders. And as long as you are killing it, you can get away with that. But when they're not killing it anymore and you have paid yourself as much money as Moran and Ellis have paid themselves, well, there you go. I mean, that's, that, is a, that is a very logical outcome to underperformance at the same time you are paying yourself millions of dollars a
0: year. A week ago, Bill Barker, you and I talked about uh, the investor conference, and Steve Ells had some very strong words about the company's performance in this calendar year. Mm-hmm. And I don't find this news surprising because Steve Ells, he's the founder of the company, but he's always been in terms of the co-CEO ship of these two men. He's always been the food guy. Monty Moran has been the operations guy, and to to listen to Ells a week ago the operations at this company have uh, have not been going well in a year where they really needed to right the ship.
2: Yeah, it's as if he were writing himself a strongly worded memo. You know, <laughs> when he came out note, with, with note a, a list of problems, but really the memo was uh, to uh, Moran. right? The, it was the operations that were being cited, not not the food. And it's a mix of things. They came out with four specific items that are... Adding to the complexity of trying to get things right uh, and quickly, they were the hiring procedures have become too cumbersome. Uh, the restaurant level training is overly focused uh, on soft skills rather than um, you know actual food preparation than actual karate. And the the restaurateur program is. Uh, detached from uh, getting things right, and so success is measured by things that don't translate into actual customer experience, but other things. People are gaming that system, I guess, uh, and and a variation of that that uh, you know the guest experience is is not the uh, the thing that employees are being measured on, and so all that has which th- which by the way is insane.
1: Yeah, those are four huge those those things like that's blocking and tackling. Yeah, yeah.
2: That was opening salvo, like and and sort of. It's not. He's described the Cleveland Browns. It's not the food's fault. It's the operations' fault, right? And uh, I don't know how these two guys necessarily are getting along. Um, Perhaps great, perhaps not. Uh, But the co CEO thing, which is always uh, a bit iffy. And there is not a long list of successes, although there's a short list of, yeah. of sort of co-CEO type things, whether it's called that or
0: not. Uh, but it's not a long list. And this yeah. is not one of the ones that joins the list of successes. So, this is, I mean, Bill Mann, you mentioned the Cleveland Browns. This is, in, in some ways, analogous to sports talk radio, where, where someone calls up and says, they need to fire the coach. And the caller almost never says, and here's who needs to be the next coach. Monty Moran is out the door. I think that is warranted. Who's running operations now? Because if Steve Ells, as we've been told for years, was the food guy and not the operations guy, that's fine. And if he's going to be the operations guy, that's fine, too. But, they really need to crush operations over the next four to six months. They do. but
1: But, it has obviously rotted from the top.
0: So, I think that the
1: answer is, not Marty Moran for the for the time being, which is okay, right?
0: You're okay with that?
1: Absolutely, I'm okay
0: with that.
2: Yeah, you have a COO. You know, you don't have right. two CEOs. You have a CEO and a COO that reports to the CEO, yeah. and and that is kind of traditional and and makes sense here, and is the thing they're going to try, I guess. Although they haven't announced a COO, I guess.
1: I imagine that there's going to be you know a, a bit of a bake off. For people who are there, they may be bring somebody in from outside. An um, actual bake off? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> could they make I, it? I, like, I did pick up on the absurdity of calling a bake off at Chipotle. They at the could moment. make it like
2: at, a reality show. The next Chipotle COO.
1: Yeah. The um, but but it is true that it is it is very rare for co CEOs to work, and you really have to have two two people who are extraordinary on their own way. But there are also Absolute bright lines of you know a demarcation between what their jobs are, and I get the feeling with this, along with what happened at Whole Foods a couple weeks ago, uh, that the founder CEO bled over a little bit and just wasn't you know and 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 didn't let it all go, which is okay uh but it's uh, it, you know it, it it's it's a pretty untenable position because you know because there you know you lack those those bright lines and everybody has a bunch of bosses and it, it seems to me that they're they're clearing that out a little bit
2: yeah we'll see how it plays out of course the original problems were not i don't know how you define the pro- the source of the problems with the food whether that was a food problem or an operations problem with people getting sick from eating it at, at, um Uh, chipotle depends on I guess, the sourcing of your food more than the preparation uh perhaps uh, well
1: what is definitely true is is that because they had such high and have such high standards for the food that they get that their supply chain is is somewhat more brittle i mean mcdonald's just to name a competitor there they will take they will source food from almost anywhere right like i mean they're 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 particular in their own way but but uh you know the or, the organic component. You know the, there was the the issue with uh, Chipotle not being able to source pork for its carnitas for months. I think it was like four or five months that they weren't able to do it. Just really points to a a a, a supply chain that that really doesn't have a whole lot of breadth to it. And for a company that still wants to grow, that's something they've got to have. They've got to be on top of it even if their standards remain, you know, remain where they are.
2: And I think looking back on that Carnitas issue, it was something that was to a degree passed off as sort of a positive thing about the company. Look at how fast they're growing and they're not going to compromise on Uh, their supply chain and and the providers, and they have such high standards. uh, Boy, isn't it great that they are choosing to maintain their quality rather than speed up to just to get food out that doesn't meet their standards? And looking back on it now, we might say, that's not the only way to explain that problem. (laughs) That's right.
1: There may be other ways. And for those of us who actually like the carnitas, that meant... I'm not going to Chipotle for that period. Right.
2: Of time. You were willing to compromise on That's the right. source of the carnitas. That's right. I you was, know, was you just willing to wanted to, com- to eat <laughs> carnitas at That's Chipotle. Right. You don't really care whether it's locally provided or whether it's organic. Farm
1: to fork or whatever. I yeah. just want to eat it and not right. get sick. That was pretty
2: much yeah. your standard.
1: And Tasty, weird. lack of extra bacteria. Available. That's, that's, the, that's, 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 that's a, a short list, <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't
2: get that to you, that's and right. you gave them a break. Are you eating as much there now as you did back in the day?
1: You know, we I'm have, definitely not. We have a Chipotle and right I, by our house, and I would be disappointed if it closed. Remember the Scottish Place that was down on King Street? Like yeah, I, I was so it was called like the Scottish
0: Walk. The, uh, I think I think that's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Never went there, but I was really disappointed when it closed, and I kind of feel the same way about Chipotle. Like they are theoretically still awesome. But I don't go there as much. So I would be sad, sad if they closed, but they do not have the same share of my wallet that they once did. And so perhaps that's a problem.
0: I'm, I'm the same as you. I was disappointed when this, even though I never went to the Scottish restaurant, I was disappointed when it left. This is a great. But I was happy that what went in its place was um, Amon's, a fish and chip uh, place. Which this is.
1: podcast brought to you by Amon's, the fish and chip place on. When, yeah, no. When you're
0: looking for fried deliciousness, go to Amon's. for
1: sure. But uh, yeah, so I, I I think it may have you know not to extrapolate from my own feelings you know to you know millions of people, but you could perhaps look at their financials and say that that might be the case that people still like Chipotle, but they aren't going there as much, and that's you know that's something that needs to be solved.
0: All right, Chipotle is a household name. Let's move to a company that is decidedly not, and that's Genesee in Wyoming, a shortline railroad holding company, which is in the news because it's buying uh, Pentilever Transport Limited, a British operation, for not a lot of money $110 million. Uh, Genesee in Wyoming is a $4.5 billion market cap. So um, they already have a subsidiary in the UK. This expands their footprint.
1: I want them to change their name to Wyoming and Pentilever. I mean, Pentilever, it, that is a name to be celebrated.
0: It's strong. It's strong.
1: Yeah, that sounds like that sounds like a Bond villain corporation.
0: Pentilever? the Pentalever, Pentalever Transport Limited. <laughs> yeah, right. that could be in a Bond film. Um, the stock is down on this acquisition, which, on the surface, and I don't know as much of this uh, about this company as you guys do, which is why you're here. Uh, I, I looked at it and thought, well, they're not paying that much money. Why is the stock down? But there, there's more to the story than just this acquisition.
2: Yeah, I would not characterize it as down on the acquisition. What it is down on is the accompanying secondary offering uh, that it is making, and that amounts to. So the stock is going for about uh, was before uh, today's trading action going for about eighty bucks a share. Uh, offering four million. Uh, shares of uh, its Class A stock, and up to another six hundred thousand. Uh, in, in addition to that, and so do it's that raising. Real quick. Yeah, it's raising a lot of money uh, from this. And why is it raising money in this way? Well, the stock is up almost fifty percent for the year, and it had a bad year last year, so it's it's not at all time highs or anything, but it's uh, up fifty percent for the year, and they are. I think understandably and hopefully, uh, you know, intelligently, trading some shares for cash at, at today's prices. And I think that's something that we may see, uh, as you do see at market highs, companies doing is saying, "Well, let's uh, let's rework our balance sheet a little bit. We let's get a little bit more equity out there. Debt is is getting more expensive. Um, rather than refinancing in the future at what is likely to be higher rates, let's issue some equity." Let people buy our, our stock for good uh, prices at which to sell, and the market's reaction to that today is, all right. We see what you're doing, but your your shares are not. Then you are signaling um, underpriced, and yeah. and so it has con- come down four percent in in response to that.
1: Yeah. They are either saying that the manager the management is signaling one of two things. One is that they are idiots, which I don't happen to believe. I happen to believe that it's a very well-run company. Or the other thing that they're signaling is that they're st- that they believe that their stock is at least fully valued. Particularly then, even though Bill made the point that debt is slightly more expensive, debt is still absolutely just you know dirt, dirt cheap. You can get long term corporate debt for a company with, you know, with the type of balance sheet that Genesee and Wyoming has and their, you know, and and their asset value. They they can get they could write debt at four percent, three three and a half percent, which is historically not so different from zero, and yet they're choosing now to uh, to sell equity instead. So, that's how they're choosing to uh, to to fund the next part of their uh, of of their growth, and it really just signifies that they think that uh, that's a an optimal decision for them.
0: Why was twenty sixteen so much better for this company and the stock and shareholders than twenty fifteen was?
2: So, it, a couple things. One, just for all transports, uh, have now been moving up. Uh, last year was especially for rails um, a really bad year for coal, yeah. and you saw coal mo- uh, shipments decline precipitously, and that is a large amount of what they move. And they, but really up and down the categories, uh, carloads were were off, uh, and coal was the most dramatic, uh, but also uh, other materials and. You're seeing coal come back a bit now. I think the coal future looks quite a bit brighter than it did it was, uh, five, six weeks ago, <laughs> uh, prior to the election.
1: Roughly 9 p.m. on the uh, November 8th, I'd say.
2: And and so that is good, and that has helped uh, the rails as well. Uh, really, you know, the the economy had had slowly been starting to pick up, and uh, so the. Your reaction last year that the stock was down almost 40%. We, full disclosure, we, we bought some Genesee in Wyoming for one of the funds. Um, in the midst of that decline, toward the end of that decline, let's we bought it at the bottom, right? Pretty much, no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't know. Don't we, know. we bought it at <laughs> roughly the bottom. Uh, I, I don't quote us on that, although we just quoted ourselves. Uh, and so it's it's had a good nice recovery of stock price more so than the business itself, but that was the same with uh, on the way down that the stock price had declined much more than the business.
1: Yeah, particularly with short haul, you, you, they are very very tied to the commodities that they move. And Genesee and Wyoming in the U.S. is a lot of coal, and in Australia, it's a huge amount of coal and iron ore and things like that that they move. And it was just just a terrible market. Uh, 2015.
2: Some uh, other things you're seeing. You may see this uh, elsewhere. It, it's strong dollar. You know, time to go shopping with your strong dollar. Yeah. Uh, pound has been uh, pounded, uh, pounded. And, yeah, and this is a time for U.S. businesses to go shopping in in England.
1: They're getting the pentilever at quadrilever prices because of the, uh, the the dollar. Thank you very much. Thank well, you.
2: Well played. All right. And the, and their secondary, here. they're issuing, uh, you know, more money than they need, so they're leaving a little money to maybe buy something else in the near future, or to, as they say, maybe to pay down their debt. It is correct that debt is not expensive right now, uh, but if you're looking at um, opportunities, maybe you're maybe you're. Still going to raise They're still not, in the future?
1: For, for a company with that large of an asset base, they are not highly levered.
2: Yeah, they, they don't have to pay down debt, uh, but that's what they say they're going to yeah. use this in part for. It.
0: The Super Bowl is two months away, uh, but already one very high-profile advertiser has announced they are sitting out, and that's Frito-Lay, which is a subsidiary of Pepsi. Pepsi is still sponsoring the halftime show, but Frito-Lay has announced that they have no plans to advertise on the Super Bowl. 30 second spot is going for five million dollars. And I was saying before we started taping, I think this is going to be worth watching over the next couple of months because Frito Lay has been advertising Doritos on the Super Bowl for basically a decade. Oh, yeah, and this is their target market. Um, there's a company called. You're talking Ad- about people? Pe- people who <laughs> like snacks? People who like snacks. There's a company called Ad Metri- uh, Ace Metrics, which um, uh, does a survey of hundreds and hundreds of consumers every year after the Super Bowl to sort of measure the effectiveness of the ads. And from 2010 to 2016, Doritos had the highest average score. So this is not a case where they have spent millions of dollars and it hasn't worked. They have spent millions of dollars and it absolutely. Has been effective advertising, and they have still made the decision that they're not going to spend this money. And I, I, when you're I'm, calling,
1: you're calling peak
0: Super Bowl. Who's, aren't you? who's got the Super Bowl this year? Fox has the Super Bowl. But when I read this story, I, um, I flash back to, um, early, 20, um, early 2015. Um, the Patriots had just beaten uh, Seattle in the Super Bowl. The next day, uh, Les Moonves, the head of CBS. Was on CNBC, and the ratings for the New England Seattle Super Bowl were huge. And I remember Moonves right out of the gate because they had the next Super Bowl. They had the you know 2016 Super Bowl, and right out of the gate, he was saying, "Here's what 30 second ads are going to cost." And he was, at, you know, and rightly so. He was basing it on well. It was an amazing game with this record audience, and so therefore, as the network that gets it next, we are jacking up rates. Let's <laughs>
2: let's try to lock people in today, right? When the, when the excitement was at its peak, because not every Super Bowl does go down to the last play, and right. that one did. And why not try to make everybody think that that is indicative of the way Super Bowls are going? Uh, it's. Uh, Good salesmanship on his part, I think.
1: Do you suppose that Frito Lay's? I mean, I, 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 I'm gonna guess that the answer is at least partially yes. But they've looked at the ratings for the NFL this year and have said, "We see no narrative. Viewership is down 20 percent, really across the board. There's no reason for us to pay rate, you know, rates above last year's."
0: They haven't said that publicly. Uh, They wouldn't say it. But but but, that's. That has to be part of the calculation, doesn't it? So, even though the Super Bowl appears to be one of those, yeah, you know, almost bulletproof events, there is a difference between 100 million people watching and only, quote, in air quotes, only 70 million people
2: watching. Well, the, the Super Bowl is because the NFL is, and if the NFL isn't bulletproof, as some of the data seems to be indicating this year may be the case then the Super Bowl isn't going to escape that orbit. It's still going to be the top you know show of the year, whatever. Uh, but it is going to key off of uh, NFL interest. To, okay to a Consp-
1: conspiracy theory. How what level of cheating will happen? the last year that tom brady the year that he's going to retire for him to make it to the super bowl how much will the nfl put the th- put their thumb on the scale to make sure that that narrative goes all the way to the end wow you are bringing this to the wrong
2: audience wow. because uh, i bring it right hill to hill hill is coming from the the NFL is against the Patriots conspiracy. Oh no, know, school no. of thought, I tell aren't you? you?
0: Absolutely. Uh, Be, you know what I have on my side? Evidence, <laughs> mountains <laughs> of evidence. Right. The did, Russians did, are doing it. Did you notice over the the weekend that uh, there was a, a Deflategate scandal? Did you notice that? Yeah. So no.
1: New England was managing no, the footballs. No. Yeah. No, I heard all about
0: it. No, it was Pittsburgh. Uh, 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 the New York Giants accusing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, what was, I'm asking is uh,
1: why why New England was managing the footballs at the the Giants. I mean, the Pittsburgh versus Jets. <laughs> yeah, game. what
2: was in it for the Patriots?
1: Seriously, what, they're what, the only are they ones with that
2: kind of know-how and technology, right? Uh, it's just and the, I and mean, the it's, right contacts. Yes. The Patriots have gone nearly—is it two years now—without a, a cheating scandal. That's pretty good for them. I'm not Belichick that, is, I'm is not off his game. The,
1: I'm not saying that the, that New England's going to have anything to do with this. I'm saying that the NFL is desperately going to want to have Tom Brady in the Super Bowl for his what last What are the game. chances
2: that, that the Patriots are using Russian hackers to crack into uh, everybody else's uh,
0: playbook?
1: Yeah, no, I'm sure they use like sixth graders with a coloring book to get into the, uh, into the Oakland Raiders' playbook. Everybody... <laughs>
0: You know, I think if I were a sorry, f- Raiders fans don't come <laughs> after me. <laughs> sure. Oak- yeah, poss- possibly. Oakland Raider fans can send can go to fullfunds.com and yeah. send an email to Bill Man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Christmas I, movies. I, I guess. I guess if I was a lifelong Minnesota Vikings fan or a Dolphins That's fan true. like you two guys, I'd, I'd, I'd be bitter and jealous, too. That's true. Um, <laughs> did did you, did you want to wrap up with a little Christmas movie? The The investing portion, the business portion of the show is over. So been over for ten minutes. Yeah, what are you exactly. talking about? Yeah, we talked a little. Look bit about <laughs> the Super Bowl. Dan Boyd but. is asleep. He's hard at work behind the glass.
2: Well, last year we did talk, uh, and and it uh, had a lot to do with Dan Boyd about whether Die Hard was or was not a Christmas movie. And I think that the uh, the balance of, of evidence and voting was that it was overwhelmingly, and, uh, overwhelmingly, and and basically so,
1: you just disagreed.
2: I was sort of devil's advocate. You were, you know? yeah,
0: yeah. You were on the fence. I'm
2: I'm willing to go with that. Uh, and so other movies that you don't. Think of first as being Christmas movies, but are set at Christmas. Uh, this is a, a colleague of ours actually makes a practice, right, of of watching movies at Christmas time. Is this what what Chris Harris was? Oh saying? Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Uh, the Ice Harvest, which is a wonderful dark comedy, with uh, Billy Bob Thornton and John Cusack and Oliver Platt.
1: Nothing says Christmas like Billy Bob Thornton.
0: Exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, if you think bad vial of blood, do you think he
1: still wears his vial of blood?
0: Wouldn't you if you were him? (laughs) If you think Bad Santa is the only Christmas movie uh, that Billy Bob Thornton's in, no, you got to check out The Ice Harvest. Uh, But Diner, you and I were talking about Diner before.
2: We've been talking about Diner a little bit uh, for a number of reasons, and it's also a Christmas movie in its own way. It's set during Christmas time. It's got a an important. uh, I don't know if any of the scenes in it are actually important because sort of the movie be is a number of uh, interesting vignettes which do not necessarily add up to any important plot uh, which is kind of <laughs> right it's about it's about guys talking to each other and, and sort of kind yeah,
0: of guys in their early 20s s- slowly coming to the realization that life is more complicated than it was when they were younger
2: but barely barely realizing it it's like at it christmas time yeah, but very funny uh, and I had raised it as in response to your going to uh, New York and and recording uh, at Shake Shack there that you should just go to diner in in Baltimore the actual the Fell's Point diner Fell's Point diner which was uh, is it there yeah yeah I believe it's still that's so that diner was brought to Baltimore in order to shoot the, the film and I guess subsequently was actually used as a diner.
0: Right, Baltimore's a lot closer than New York. So exactly, yeah. so
2: it's it's within your budget.
0: What is the budget these days? Ah, uh, smaller than you'd think. <laughs> this is about it. Yeah, hard zero. <laughs> but uh, but you know, I mean, we, we yeah, you had enough budget to go to New York. Uh, that you know that was a that was that was that, that was off the books. That was yeah. as we <laughs> like to say that was off the books. But you know, Dan, we had a good. Did you mean,
2: grab like the full mobile and drive yourself? No, to New no, York? we
0: took the train. But uh, and the train is great. Love the train. But Dan, we. We had a good meal at Shake Shack, right? Yeah, It was your first time. You enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, it was really good. Uh, uh, it, it, I mean, the way that they curate their burgers for you, right they have selections that you can choose from from the menu. I like that a whole lot. It was excellent.
0: Yeah. And, you know, hey, I don't know what the food is like at Fells Point Diner, but it's a diner. How bad can it be? could be great. It could be great. Diner food. When is diner food ever bad? <sighs> Almost never. Yeah. 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 All right. You know, I'll look into this, and 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 maybe this is we'll do a road trip. And
2: I, I don't remember the exact scene, but this is something that I think we need to incorporate more of. Um, but uh, Fenwick, the character played by Kevin Bacon, and we'll get back to that in a minute. Yeah. People are still listening, which I <laughs> certainly <laughs> doubt and hope is not the case. Nobody is.
1: Nobody's commute is this long. <laughs> but
2: at one point, Fenwick. Um, stops off to get coffee on his way to getting coffee. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And I think we've never done that. We've gone out we've gone for coffee close. a lot, but we've never sort of said, oh, we're on, uh, going to Starbucks. Oh, Don- why don't we just get some coffee here at Dunkin' Donuts on our way.
0: On our way to the far Around
2: box. the block to, to Starbucks.
0: I think we'll do that. From Tom Burning in Sandy, Oregon. Listener number 27, Tom writes, I've appreciated your playing of lesser known Christmas music and had one to add to your list. So, uh, Dan will cue that up as we get out of here today. Bill Barker, Bill Mann, thanks for being here, guys.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about in The Motley Fool. And have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely what on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.
3: So I'm going to buy what you need for Santa Claus. I'm going to take mine with me, but I'll leave your and my dress a draw. So that started me to rambling. Looking at all of my baby dress a draw. Wow, that started me to rambling. Looking all in my baby dress a draw. Trying to find out what did she bought me for Sunday draw. Pull out the bottom dresser drawer, the landlady got mad and called alone. <laughs> when I Pull out the bottom just a drawer, the landlady got mad and called alone. <laughs> I was just trying to find what did she bought me for Santa Claus. <laughs> the police walked in and charged me on the shoulder. What you doin' with your hand and that woman dress a troll. I ain't the police a letter my baby wrote me sure why should I find my Santa Claus? I just kept on pullin' out all of my baby dress a draw. I walked out to the boat and landed August Said look out the man and pull out all the ladies dress and draw. Bye-bye. Yes, I walked out left the police and the landed dog Said look at the man and pull out all the ladies dress and draw. Bye-bye. But he said I got the letter to show the judge. The boy just trying to find his the to